our first communion candle for or our first Advent candle. And uh, if the kids would like to come up over here and, and sit, they can, or you can just stay where you are. It's probably easier to stay where you are, whatever you feel comfortable doing. Uh, what we have is, is the Advent candle. It's the Hope candle. And the, who were the Israelites originally hoping for? Who knows who the, 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 the Israelites were originally hoping for? Jesus? They, okay. They, they were waiting for Jesus to come. And they, when Jesus came and died on the cross and, and resurrection and then ascended to heaven, and you start to think about, well, what are we hoping for then? Pretty close to the same thing. Any of you don't want to play? <laughs> His return, the second coming. And so when you light the candle of hope, what we're saying is, Come, Lord Jesus, come soon. And we rejoice that He has come, He has saved our souls. And now we look forward to the day He comes again and we join Him in the marriage feast. And all that goes with that eternally. And of course, we'll see if we get it to that. The remaining candles are, we light one each Sunday, and then uh, the Sunday after Christmas, we will light the Christ candle. And that one will be in the middle of the beer light candle. So uh, let's go ahead and children, you're dismissed. Go to your classes. Bye-bye. <laughs> In the way of announcements this morning, uh, I have two that I would share with you. Um, one is a, I'm going to have to say this slowly, I tried to say it faster and I didn't get it all out directly. Christmas sweet swap. <laughs> Go ahead, try to say it fast. <laughs> Christmas sweet swap. <laughs> Uh, that is on Sunday, December 19th, uh, and it's uh, right after the church service that day, and uh, it'll be here at the, in, the, in the fellowship hall, actually. And what you do is bring a batch of cookies or sweets for Christmas to swap, and uh, we'll spend a, a little bit of time sharing with that and, and getting sugared. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so that's a fun one for the kids to come to, too, so... Christmas Sweet Swap, December 19th. That's the Sunday before Christmas. And then on the 11th uh, of, of December, this is a Saturday at 6 p.m., we're having our Christmas dinner and gift exchange. And so we're having ham and turkey. That will be provided. And the request is that everybody that comes bring a side dish to share and a gift for the exchange. Uh, you can come to the dinner even if you do not want to participate in the gift exchange or the other way around. You can come to the gift exchange and not attend the dinner, but it will be fun, I'm sure, to do both. So, uh, anyway, that's Saturday, December 11th at 6 p.m. In reference to the gift exchange, we try to keep it to, you know, $30 and under, and uh, ladies bring a gift for a lady, and guys bring a gift for a guy. And 
and uh, we'll have a wonderful after e- uh, evening on Saturday, December, 6th, or December 11th. So, looking forward to that. Any other announcements? Okay. The uh, programs this morning, I uh, would like to just bring before you a, a couple. Phil Scriber, uh, at home, doing better. Um, he is having problems with his right foot, and, and what it basically boils down to is if he gets his, if the therapist gets his leg up, he can actually move his foot around and even bend his toes, but if he's standing, he is unable to lift his right foot. And so, uh, in the therapy that he's going through, they're working on that, and uh, just to, to keep Phil in prayer, he's doing better every day, it seems. And we appreciate, uh, uh, our ancestry really appreciates all this prayer support. Thank you. And um, also, uh, keep praying for uh, Diane Van. She is uh, going to be staying where she is for a while, as it turns out, uh, which is really good news. Uh, the therapist that's working with her seems to really be zeroing in on her uh, physical problems and actually getting her to participate in her therapy, getting her up on her feet. And uh, that hasn't been something that anybody's been able to do for a while. So I'm glad to hear that they're allowing her to stay where she is in Sonoma and uh, not sending her... They were initially going to send her to uh, Wits, and then it was Ukiah. And I'm thinking, why would they do that? Well, it was because she wanted to get closer to home. Well, at this point, uh, I think she's where she needs to be, and uh, she had a really neat talk with Kay Morris. Uh, Kay really encouraged her that God's got her right where he wants her, and uh, she seemed to be in tune with that. And with that, praying for Kay. Uh, She's looking for an opportunity to get the uh, eye surgery for her cataracts and uh, get back behind, you know, where she can drive and go around and, and visit and be... Uh, what she likes to do again. Um, I'm sure there's other prayer needs uh, this morning. Uh, so uh, if you have any, don't hesitate to make them known through our uh, site online. And uh, during the week, if something comes up that you want us to be praying for, you can uh, let us know by phone or, or put it through our, our website. And uh, we'll be praying. Let's pray together. Father, this morning we come to you again, first again, to say thank you. You tell us that we are to come to your your throne with a confidence, praying for your mercy and your grace. You tell us that we can depend on that, absolutely. And so we come to you doing exactly that praying the mercy and the grace over those prayer needs that we've mentioned, and over the ones that are, are not mentioned. And we ask, Lord, that you administer to strengthen, to bring help, uh, to, to bring resources, to help with finances, whatever the needs may be, that you would come and minister to the body of Christ. And we pray as a whole, as the body this morning, that you would minister to us as we open your word, and we pray that for all the, the, the churches that worship you through your word this morning, that you would uh, touch lives, change lives. 
We worship you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, that, that song, by, that's a Phil Whitman song that we just sang, the last one that we sang, uh, Living Hope. And uh, there's a, a, f- a couple of phrases in it that I wanted to just say again. The one that, that just, the first time I ever heard this song that really caught my ear and, and, and maybe just draw me into a worship was The Work is Finished, The End is Written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. The work is finished. The end is written. We can count on that. That's what we are hoping in. And I, I, I probably could say, wait, say it for the sermon, but that, that's not a wishy-washy kind of, I hope it doesn't rain. Okay? It's, it's a very confident hope that is absolute. It's based on the Word of God. It's based on what Jesus has done. And so when we say we place our hope in Jesus Christ, we are doing something that is absolutely a done deal. We're participating in something that is accomplished. Our hope is that Jesus Christ will come back again, return again. That's not a a possibility. It's an absolute. The end is written. And we still say we place our hope in that. And so we could say, instead of hope, we could say we place our confidence. But the Bible has chosen to use the word hope and desire even uh, as, as almost uh, in, we desire this to happen. We hope that it happens and then we can rest assured because the end is written. It will happen. Uh, the other part of this song in, in Phil Dickman's uh, writing here was, The cross has spoken, I am forgiven. The King of Kings calls me his own beautiful Savior. I'm yours forever. Jesus Christ, my living hope. It's a very, just a powerful song. This morning we will be looking at the book of Hebrews. And as we do, again, the coinciding our messages with our reading through the Bible in a year or so, here we go, a one message on the book of Hebrews. And uh, I would just share with you that uh, the name is a giveaway in one context. Who is the primary audience? A Jewish Christian audience. And we don't know exactly where it was written to. We're not precisely sure who wrote it. But when everything is being included and looked at in reference to what was uh, consistent with the Word of God and what God had said, Hebrews made it into the canon. And we look at it as the God-breathed word. And so we, we look at it with confidence that as we look through it, what it has to say to us is the word of God. And I'm just going to give a real quick overview here. Uh, we read, well, let me, let me start by reading the first uh, few verses in chapter 1. Long ago, in many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of God's nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. I love that one phrase. He upholds the universe by the words of his power because it tells us what holds the universe together. Science can't figure it out. Everything should be going like this and coming apart, and yet, by his word, it's held together. 
And, and so the universe is held together by his word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. And that starts through the book of Hebrews as the theme, if you will, and I'm not quite sure how to nail down to a phrase other than to say Christ is greater than or better than, and then it's going to be a series of things. Christ is greater, for instance, as is already said here, than the angels. That was really important because even in the Hebrew culture, there was angel worship and, and, and identity of how powerful angels in the past had been uh, through the scriptures. And, and so uh, it says, Christ is higher than or greater than the angels. And another part of, of the book of Hebrews, it says that Christ is greater than Moses. Now think about a Hebrew person hearing that, and, and Moses, everybody looked, they looked at Moses as the, the, the great deliverer. And, and, and yet here is Christ, the one that would be raised up, a great deliverer. And, and he's saying, uh, Hebrews is saying that he is greater. This Christ is greater than Moses. Not only is he greater than Moses, he's greater than Joshua, who fought the battles and led us into the promised land. And he's greater than the high priest. In fact, he is the high priest now. There is no high priest in, a, in, the, in, the, in, uh, in existing here on earth in the sense of a man. It is Jesus Christ, our high priest, who intercedes for us. Uh, Hebrews tells us that he offers, and this is where I'm going to really focus this morning, he offers a better hope, meaning a more sure hope. They were wondering what's going to happen. In fact, when Jesus came, they they weren't sure, they couldn't identify. Is he going to come in and take over Jerusalem, take out the Romans? There was different different factions of what they thought Jesus was going to do. And and there was no real absolute harmony in that. And Jesus offers us a hope. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. He is, as it said here in the first few verses, the very imprint and the radiance of God here on earth. He offers a better covenant. And what we might say to that is that in this idea of a better covenant is he completes the Old Testament covenant and as a result opens up a new covenant that is complete, ready to receive us as saved and the children of God, heirs of his promises. And most of all, he offers the better sacrifice. Hebrews goes extensively into the idea of, of, of sacrifice and the fact that there's, there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood and, and, and all of the things that go with the sacrifice. And then it points to Jesus as the ultimate, final, once and for all sacrifice. There is no sacrifice left to be made. Then in the verses that, uh, every time you read through something, you, you look at the verses that have some impact on you, and, and there were two in chapter 13, the last chapter of Hebrews. It said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the same qualities that we attribute to God the Father, immutable. He doesn't change. 
He's the very same always. And so he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in verse uh, 14 of chapter 13, he says, Here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come, referring to the new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem. Powerful verses looking ahead and, and seeing Christ. Same yesterday, today, forever, bringing us the new city, Jerusalem, with the new heavens and the new earth. That's what we are looking forward for. That's tied into our hope. And it's not something that might happen. It is going to happen. It will happen. I've read you the first few verses of, of Hebrews. Let me share with you uh, the last few verses of, of Hebrew in the form of its benediction. Starts at uh, chapter 13, verse 20. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, covenant, equip you with every good that you may do his will. What are the things that he equips us with? Every good that we let may do his will, accomplish his purpose. Working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's the book of Hebrews in a nutshell. Uh, and it's, it's a powerful book. If you haven't had a chance to get through it yet, uh, read it. And I tell people as much as possible when you can, uh, some of the books are lengthier than others, and it's not easy to do. But when you can read a particular book, especially the epistles, the letters, which are smaller, in one sitting, you can get so much impact by it. It's kind of coming back to where you look at this and you say, oh, wait a minute, that, that ties in with this over here. And then all of a sudden you'll think of what you read last week and you say, oh, that ties this to this. And it's, you're getting a whole picture that way if you can so, the uh, book of Hebrews is one of those books that I find that if you can find the time to sit down and read it uh, in one sitting, it's, it's, a, it's a real blessing. What I'm going to focus on today is uh, chapter 6 of Hebrews. Uh, it's, the, it's a picture of our hope's foundation. The hope we have, it's a picture of its foundation. And verses 13 through 20. And uh, we're, we're going to see uh, God's promise to Abraham. Let's, let's read it. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, God didn't, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and all their disputes in oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, he the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. So that by two... Uh, unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to die, to lie, we who have fled for refuge 
uh, might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. I am not going to get into a message on Melchizedek. Okay, it's, it's, it's separate from where I'm going today, and, and it would take a full message to do it. So uh, if you're interested, it's a neat Bible research project, and I encourage you to do it. And uh, so what we have is this promise that's made to Abraham. And what he's referring to is the promises that are made in early in Genesis. Genesis 12, uh, he was, that God made him a promise. Uh, that he would be a father of, of, of many people, and, and, and then that there would be a covenant. In chapter 15, he speaks of the covenant that was going to come from him. And then God gives him an oath in chapter 22 where he says, I have sworn, I'm going to accomplish these things through you. You're going to be the father of many nations. In fact, he went from Abram, a father of, of in a sense, a father of a few, to Abraham, a father of many. And the irony was is that he was, he was uh, you know, an old man and still had no children. I'm sure that, yeah, I was reading this and it never occurred to me, based on the meaning of his name, that people might have been laughing kind of behind his back a little bit. Yeah, father of a of, of family. Yeah, Abraham. Ha, ha, ha. I don't say any children. And then the father of nations. And, and you know, you have to have a kid before you can do that. And yet, God had postponed what would ultimately happen in their old age at an impossible time. And of course, we're talking about the birth of Isaac and the beginning of this picture and prophetic picture of all the nations that would come from that going down to, you know, with, uh, his grandson Jacob and uh, Isaac's grandson Jacob and, and all the, the sons that he has. And so, it's a powerful picture. God has made an oath. He has made a promise. And, uh, and so uh, we, it says that there is two things here that, that are unchangeable. They're, they're going to happen. And I believe the, the reference here is to his promise and his oath. They're unchangeable. They're, they're things that are going to happen. And both of these things, his promise and his oath, are consistent with what his word is. And so his word speaks these things. And remember, we come from what Peter tells us, God breathed his word into those who wrote it. It is God breathed. It is trustworthy. It is dependable. It is truth. He calls us by the way, in Romans chapter 8, the believers, the, the body of Christ, we are the, the, the children of Abraham, and we are the heirs of promise. The promises and the oath made to Abraham, we are heirs to that. We are the children of Abraham. How many times have you, uh, maybe some of you remember singing it as, as a a uh, young person in, in the children's ministry of Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, so are you, so let's just praise the Lord, right hand, left hand, and all the other things that go with that. And 
the idea was the reality is that I am one of them and so are you. We are the children of Abraham. And somebody says, well, we weren't born Jewish. It has nothing to do with it. It's because God's promise and oath went beyond Abraham to many nations that he made these promises. We have his promise. We have his oath. God wants us to hold fast to this hope that he has set before us. He wants us to hold fast to it. Sure and steadfast. It, in verse 19, he says there's a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. What does an anchor do? You can answer. Okay, secures the ship. Uh, it keeps a vessel from, what, drifting. It secures it to keep it in, in one place. And depending on the size of the vessel, it depends on the size of the anchor. I, I can have uh, been on one of the uh, aircraft carriers that was docked down at Moffat in, in, at, uh, at the field over in, uh, out of Oakland, and uh, the, the Navy base. And you look at the massiveness of that, and the, the, the anchor that comes with that is... <laughs> Uh, it's amazing, you know, it's huge. And, and uh, to be with, uh, you know, even my own little sailboat that I had, uh, had an anchor, you know, and, and it was built in such a way that it wasn't so heavy as it was designed to grab a hold of the bottom, uh, to drag, and it would hold you in one place for a period of time. It was to keep you from drifting. And so, uh, you know, we, we, uh, uh, it's, if we are not anchored, if we are not sure in our faith and, and anchored in our faith, then we can drift. And Paul writes a, a multiple times about being concerned about different gospels coming in. To the church. In fact, he says in Galatians very clearly, if another gospel comes uh, to you, even from me, if it's different than the one you originally preached, it's it's damned. It's condemned. Don't don't listen to it. How important it is that we are anchored to the gospel, to the word of God, and it's the anchor of the soul. It says. It keeps our soul, uh, our, our, the essence of our being, it keeps it close to God, and it's tied to this word, hope. This anchor holds the hope for us. It's, it, it holds our soul close together to the hope that God has provided us. I was thinking of the things that, that would draw us away to cause us to drift, and I, I just made a list of things that I found through Scripture. Think of things that you would add to it. Uh, in, in fact, I put it this way. What are the circumstances or the things that shake us or move us, shake us up or move us, uh, and normally uh, upset us, cause us to be 
unsure about our life and, and what's going on? What are the kinds of things that can do that? Participate. <laughs> the news, pandemic, okay, those two key things. You watch the news and you, all you see is, is one after another thing that is negative, very few positive things. I like the fact that a couple of news uh, casts have started even trying to end their news with a positive, uh, so at least you, you, you walk away with something positive through the evening. But news, newspapers, okay, these types of things. What other things? Okay, the loss of a loved one, death. Uh, and it can be contemplating your own death or the death of someone you love. And tied to that would be the illness. Any kind of illness, a pain and suffering. Uh, relationships can be difficult at times and cause uh, uh, people to drift. I, I put down here in the sense of work environment. I, I know people that work in environments that are very anti-Christ. And uh, people say, what does it take to be anti-Christ? Well, technically, according to First uh, John, all it takes is that it's something that, that refuses to, to declare Christ and has come in the flesh. If, if, it, if it won't declare Christ, then it's a vanilla Christ. And I didn't write that, but it's in the Word. <laughs> And, and so, God has a very definitive drawing line. It either declares Christ or it doesn't, and if it doesn't, it's not a God. Okay, and so, the majority of everybody that I know probably works in a non-Christian environment. There is a statement made by uh, Ray Stedman that was if assurance comes from our circumstances or our abilities, it won't come at all. In other words, if our assurance of what God's going to do in our belief system, our hope, is based on my ability, well, my ability to what? My ability to be good. If it's based on my ability to be good, I'm already done. If it's based on my uh, uh, ability to, to do something, or is it based on my circumstances, my finances, and my finances go sour, and I'm, I'm, I'm distraught over my, my, you know, I'm losing my car, I'm losing my house, or all these different things. And it's happening to people all the time. Then if, if your assurance of your faith is based on those things, you, you start to say, where is God? Where is he in this? Maybe you've been in circumstances where you've felt that. Where is God in this? How am I supposed to see God in this? And that becomes a, a time of prayer, and hopefully somebody that God will send to come alongside you and gives you encouragement and hope. God's promise, and, and, and I tied it to his word, is what our hope is. It's what our anchor is. This is our hope, and if it is our hope, it's our anchor. This is what holds us to God. How important is this? It's critical. God tells us multiple times through Psalms and other places that this is critical 
in our relationship with Him because it reveals Him. It lets us know who He is and what He desires of us. And what blesses Him and pleases Him. And what will ultimately bless us and please us. I love the picture here too. Where is the anchor resting? It says, in the inner place behind the curtain. That's the Holy of Holies. By the way, there's no Holy of Holies on the earth anymore. So our anchor is resting in the Holy of Holies that man did not make. It's resting in the Holy of Holies of, 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 the, of heaven. That's where our anchor is set. Where is Christ seated? At the right hand of God. Our anchor is set with Him. He is who has set our anchor for us. And it is set in the Holy of Holies. In the feet of God, and in a sense, in God's presence. Jesus, it says here, is the forerunner, the one who has gone ahead of us. And what did he tell the disciples? I'm going ahead of you to prepare what? A place for you. And it was tied to all who would follow them in their word and the conviction that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Uh, Romans puts it very succinctly in Romans chapter 10. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, raised from the dead. He has gone on our behalf, the forerunner. And then it goes on to tell us here in these, these scriptures, he is the high priest forever. Like I said, it says, after the order of Melchizedek, and what I will tell you is, is like I said, is that that makes a great study. I will say this much. Jesus, based on the law of the Old Testament, did not qualify to be a high priest because he was not a Levite. But under the order of Melchizedek, which existed before the beginning, he qualified as a high priest under the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek has many ideas as to what people think he was. Uh, he was nothing less than a type of Christ, meaning that you were to look at him and you could see, in a sense, the, 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 the Christ that was to come. My personal belief is that he was Christ. Research it. It's fun. It's a great study. God has made a promise to us. He has given us his pledge, his oath. He tells us the way to faith is through Jesus Christ. That he came, he died, was buried, and rose again, showing his authority over death and paying the penalty of sin once and for all. That's what our hope rests in. When we have I, I, I just want to read this, this benediction one more time that is written here in Hebrews. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, 
the great shepherd of the sheep. By the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I felt that that would be a perfect verse to go into communion with. And as we do, I wanted to share with you what we're doing right now with communion. We're not passing the tray yet. Uh, That'll happen again someday soon, we hope. Uh, But what we will do is you'll find that the communion is set in here, and actually it's two cups together. If you separate the cups, one cup holds the bread, the other cup holds the, the fruit of the vine and the, the grape juice. And we will we'll share that together So after you get it to share it together. So you're going to have to come up here to get the communion. You can choose to do that if you would prefer not to, to uh, if you're still concerned about somebody else having touched us, even though they wear the plastic gloves and all the kind of stuff. Uh, there are packets here. Uh, that you can open, and it has the bread, and then underneath the, the second opening, it has the, the juice. So, uh, while we are singing our communion song, uh, you may feel free to come forward, pick up your communion. Uh, if you want to pick up uh, yours for somebody else's, uh, for two of you, and just one of you come up, that's fine. Uh, you may do that as well. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. cross I cling naked come to thee for dress helpless look to thee for grace foul I to the fountain fly wash me Savior or I die while I draw this fleeting breath when my night 
shall close in death when I start through worlds unknown see the on my judgment throne rock of ages clap for me let me hide myself in thee In reference to communion, Paul writes these words, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he gave me thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, Jesus took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let us share in the cup. Father, we thank you for these emblems that remind us of what you have done. The bread that remind us, literally, you uh, emptying yourself and coming to earth being born as a man. Living literally in the flesh, but sinless. We thank you. The cup reminds us that the life is in the blood and there's no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. And the reality is that our sin is, our blood is tainted from our sin. It wouldn't be sufficient. So you came, not only emptied yourself, not only became a man, but a man who died on the cross and emptied his blood to cover our sins. And we thank you. We worship you. We praise you. We ask, Lord, that you would go with us and cause us to be the children of God you would want us to be in the various situations that you put us in from day to day, from moment to moment. We pray over this time today again, thanking you for it and asking that you would go with us as we leave this morning. And we worship you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song? Reminder is uh, you go out, there are the daily breads uh, for uh, December, January, February, and also on the counter underneath the mirror is a, a number of uh, pieces of information about the, the uh, martyrs uh, ministry, and uh, some of it's really quite, really quite interesting, and some of the success stories are really exciting to read. So I uh, encourage you to pick those up. and nature.
nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains, Repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessing so, for as the curse is found, For as the curse is found, for as, for as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love. And wonders, wonders of his love. Rest of the day.